Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tomato Tomato Podcast. I'm Jenna. I'm Chris. And we talk about movies and the way that they're reviewed. So, yeah, we're basically like critics for critics <laughs> in a way in a nice way we use the reviews that are that are given about a particular movie as kind of a jumping off point to talk about that movie for today's episode we when we were plotting out this podcast we were trying to think of a couple of episode ideas so that we could you know just kind of plan out what movies to go see and what movies to watch and we were thinking about it and we said okay and you came up with the idea of capitalizing on both the Baywatch movie and the most recent Mummy movie. So basically, when you put those two movies together, well, there's a common factor in both of those being Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Which gives us the Scorpion, the Scorpion King. King. The 2002 classic <laughs> film, The Scorpion King. Which, okay, so we, when you and I were talking as we were watching the movie, you said something about how you were like, yeah, this is like a bad like 80s movie that's trying to capitalize on Conan the Barbarian. And then I was like, this was made in 2002. Like, that's just insane to me. That like, I'm not wrong. Like, no. you, it has that feel of and it's, it's like, over-the-top cheesy 80s sword and sandal fantasy movie it's exactly it's like conan the barbarian or like a bad like indiana jones type thing but like done in such a weird way and in a time that like it was just you could have told me that this movie was made in the 80s and i wholeheartedly would have believed you so let's roll back a bit so if you aren't familiar with the scorpion king why are you listening to this episode but also yeah yeah. first of all (laughs) Pause this. Go watch it. So The Scorpion King is a prequel to a sequel. The sequel being The Mummy Returns, being the follow-up to The Mummy with Brendan Fraser. So The Scorpion King is a prequel uh, that shows us the unknown history of The Rock's character, uh, that wonderful CGI character in the sequel. (laughs) But so like so like if you're not if you're not familiar with this movie and because the the premise of the Scorpion King is that it's set two thousand years before the Mummy returns so it's as if you took the X Men franchise and you took the post credit scene at the end of Days of Future Past which like teases that Apocalypse exists and then you turned that into its whole other movie but you put it out after Apocalypse had already come out. And this is insane. Okay, so this uh, the Scorpion King came out in two thousand two, just a year after the Mummy Returns. So you know Universal, the studio was like, ah shit, this rock guy is hot right now. Mummy Returns did good. Let's let's strike while the iron is but, hot. But were, are any of out. those things true? <laughs> like, like, that's that's my hypothesis as I'm to gonna, how this yeah, movie got made. I'm gonna made. look up some things right now just to double check that because, like, I have no idea how much this even made or it. Let me see. So, I'm pulling up Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb, so we can. So like run the, the Scorpion King grossed a little over twelve million on its opening day. <laughs> In opening day, wow. Um. So. Uh, what was the total? It had a so, budget so it, of worldwide, 60 million. Yeah. So over a, a little over 160 million. No, against six, a budget of 60 six, million? The budget uh, says 60 million. Oh, 60 million budget. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it made a lot of money. Yeah, its its budget was 60 million and its total gross was 90 million. Over 90 million. So it did make its money back, but not enough 
that I would think to like realistically justify having this movie exist. Like, oh my god! And I'm also checking out one more thing. Me, so, 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 so uh, the the Rotten Tomatoes rundown for this movie. So it came out in 2002. It has a tomato meter score of 41 percent, average rating of 4.9 out of 10. There are 135 reviews, 55 fresh, and 80 rotten. The audience score is 38%, with an average rating of 2.8 out of 5. And over a quarter of a million user ratings. Insane. That's absolutely insane. I always just find it funny when we look at these movies, especially the older ones, that the fact that that, million, that many people specifically like sought out the Rotten Tomatoes page for this movie and then gave it a good or bad rating is kind of incredible to me. Like I just it love really the is. mindset of that. But um, but so I was just checking because you were like, you were saying the whole thing about like, oh well, The Rock is so hot right now, so like we we want to put him in all of the things. I was checking out his like acting stuff before this. So he, he was coming from, off of WWE. Well, yeah. Right? So aside from WWE, he was in one episode of Star Trek Voyager as the champion as himself basically and then everything else is like tv movies that he was in as himself and then the mummy returns was his first like actual role as something that wasn't the rock so there's something else i'm just remembering so uh we both just watched the movie before this and there the credits were rolling and then i noticed something and it's like oh this makes a lot of sense now one of the executive producers uh was vince mcmahon Oh my god. So if you don't know, he's basically the guy in charge of WWE. And one of the production companies for this movie was WWE. Oh my god, that that makes so much more sense. Yeah. So this could have easily been like a direct to video uh, movie. Which yeah. all three sequels yeah, were. Yeah, I was about to say. I was like, it's. I remember when I was like searching out this movie to actually watch, I came across it and then it's three sequels. And I was just absolutely dumbfounded, but also not at all surprised at the fact that no. this has like this many installments to it. But like, my whole thing is like, so I obviously haven't seen any of the sequels. I hadn't seen this movie until we, like, until I watched it this morning. But. The the concept of the sequel seems so weird to me because none of them star The Rock. So I'm like, what story no. are you even trying to follow? Like it was more of like a like a cash in on the the IP. I guess, but it's also just and, like it's so. And, and WWE, like, I think, has been known to do that with kind of their director video action movies. Yeah, I guess I've never really considered the whole like direct to video WWE world like that obviously exists but it's not really yeah. something I've like regularly watched installments of but Me it's just too. it's just interesting to go from this being at, like a big like in theater sort of thing to then go into that yeah cuz the mummy franchise back then was pretty successful yeah it was Brendan like, Fraser was a big thing cuz it yeah. was kind of rebooting the original universal monsters mummy yeah franchise and it kind of made it more of like kind of horror more action adventure and scorpion king kind of takes it in a more fantasy direction yeah 
like this god this movie it's just i don't well okay so we were talking before this thing started because i've i've only seen pieces of the original brendan fraser mummy i hadn't really seen a whole lot of the mummy returns so then i was re- we were reading over the reviews for this episode and i saw some reference to the rock scenes in the mummy returns and i'm like well i wonder if these are on youtube because i just want to kind of see the context and oh boy are they on youtube and are they incredible i'm just discovering too that you had not seen the entirety of those two movies which you that needs to change it will change but it's kind of i guess i can approach this franchise from like oh i'm going in like historical chronological order because like i saw the scorpion king first (laughs) which it really has no other connection to the previous movies none at all and like i would i'm really surprised that that this kind of plotted around as much as it did, considering what the what the Rock's character jumps to in The Mummy Returns. I'm like, I... Because he goes from this, where he's just like... I was thinking during the movie, he's basically like Braveheart. Like, yes. he's basically just like Braveheart as a not-white dude. And he goes from that to being in The Mummy Returns and being a cgi head on top of a giant scorpion body (laughs) and i'm just like why is this movie covering what it covered when i wanted to see it get to that point i want to know how the fuck he went from being just like this normal dude to suddenly like this giant lobster we'll see if you had seen the mummy returns they cover that in the first five minutes oh okay then but i'm just saying like I i would much rather have gotten the I, I would much rather they have gotten like as weird as possible with the origins of it instead mm-hmm. of just like as generic of a movie as we actually got. Well, and, like the you fact could, that you, yeah, with the Scorpion King, you could so check off like the the checklist of tropes it's for so a cheap action movie. It, is it so, you can check off all the boxes. It's literally like by the book with how everything kind of ties together and like when certain things happen. And well, which is why it kind of had a quick turnaround too because this came yeah. out just a year after which is the mummy returns well because when you said I, I almost wonder if they kind of put the cart before the horse with this i wonder if this movie was already in development before the mummy returns even came out because i totally would not be surprised if it was like oh yeah we're gonna try to like we we know that the first mummy was such a hit and so and we know that we have this like popular like wrestler as our villain in the second one so why don't we just kind of capitalize on that because we know that people are going to respond to it but it's like in reality people responded to how absolutely ridiculous it looked (laughs) yeah it's insane that you know it had such great success and they had plans for a sequel with the rock but those fell through so they just went to the direct-to-video format which is funny uh, because like they they fell through, but then he basically went back to WWE after this. It's not yeah. like he was suddenly jumping off and going to all of these other different roles. It's just no, like yeah. he just went back into wrestling because it was like, no, I'd really rather not just and have to deal with you this. You could really. definitely see like they played up his WWE skill set in the action scenes. The movie after this that was really like him just kind of back in, in like a leading action role was mm-hmm. um, Doom, <laughs> which is this whole other <laughs> thing. Um, but so it's interesting because that was in 2005. So it's like in the three years between this and that, he just kind of like did so much more WWE and was like, all right, oh, okay, wow. I tried to be an actor and I'm just going to 
Like, I'm going to go back to, like, just what I was known for and not being in this ridiculous movie. So, but, I'm, yeah. so I'm scrolling through trivia for this, not yeah. to get oh, oh too boy. off the point yeah. of the reviews and everything. Uh, but Vince McMahon is an executive producer only because uh, he owns the name The Rock. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. Well, and I wonder and so, if. Yeah, this, oh. And then, as it, it's considered an homage, an official adaptation of Conan the Barbarian stories. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad that it's like actually considered that and not just like fans considering it because, like, that, oh, it's so a Conan ripoff. It's absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. But no, I'm just kind of laughing at the fact that, like, Vince McMahon is a producer on that because of the trademark thing, when then yeah. now his his wife runs the Small Business Administration. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> I wonder if that's one of her tips. I'm <laughs> just like, keep your trademarks no matter what. <laughs> like, even if you have Seriously. to put your name on this shitty-ass movie, then you're still making money. Like, it's... And then he's not even the crazy part of this. Mm-hmm. Like... Michael Clark Duncan is in this. Oh, just Michael two Clark years Duncan. after he did the Green Mile. Uh huh. Yeah, one of the reviews I can't remember which one, but it basically says like, yeah, Michael Clark Duncan isn't going to get a second Oscar nomination no. from this movie, which is absolutely true. Yeah, it was in the USA Today review. I'm looking right now, but it's like it, it's interesting. Michael Clark Duncan is one of those people where it's like his career was just very. Interesting. All, it was all over the place, but it almost had a reason behind it. Like, the choices that he made were so crazy, but they were like... It was like, oh, of course he's in this movie. Like, there yeah. wasn't really a thing... There's never really anything where it's like, I can't believe that Michael Clark Duncan is in this. Let's get into the reviews, because I feel yeah. like we're just kind of, like, losing our minds right now. <laughs> yeah. So let's... Because you mentioned the USA Today one. Yes. Let's start with that. So that is our one rotten review yes. the other two that we're going to use are fresh but I, I feel like they're fresh yes yeah we decided with this one to go with two fresh a because it was going to be fun trying to find like genuine fresh reviews and b because there's like much more to talk about with them as opposed to just like rotten reviews shitting on it agree with us even though one of the fresh reviews we'll get to in a minute but yeah. it's not much different from the rotten review like at yeah all. and we tr- and and we found reviews that are uh, relatively close to the release of the movie so the reviews don't have kind of like this hindsight to them that it's kind of fresh reviews from yeah. the time well, and then this had the similar thing that Crank did, where it's like all of these major outlets reviewed it, and then if you go to try to find their review on their website, it's just a dead link. So it's <laughs> like it's the same thing of like I don't want people to know what we thought of them, like uh, what we thought of the Scorpion King, like and just burn that review and just hide it away forever. But yeah, I'm looking at the USA Today. What were your notes off of that? It, it has exactly. Uh, what you'd expect uh so it calls the movie dull but not unspeakably so uh king's inherent goofiness begins with the fact that there is a rare prequel that takes place nearly 2000 years before the movie that inspired it so it kind of it it calls the movie dull but not so dull where you're just going to turn it off it's it's bad in the right ways. Yeah, which, like, I agree with. Like, there's... I've seen plenty of movies that are in this this sort of vein that are just not even enjoyable to watch. But, like, this was bad, but I didn't hate the fact that I was watching it. Yes. 
like I was I I could understand that this was very much like a sign of the time sort of thing of like this movie existing and being the way that it was but it was one of those things where it was like I I could tell there was like some sort of effort behind it whereas there are like so many other ones where it's just like what the actual fuck is even happening (laughs) yeah there's a lot of questionable things that happen in this movie absolutely and so this is 2002 so I'm trying to get like a what else is out then let me look. Like Blade was out, X Men yes. was out. Um, yes. Um, I mean, I'm just um, for the first Spider Man. Yeah. Minority Report, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. So that's kind of like the frame of re- of reference oh, okay, for movies so, then. Yeah, there, I just remembered one thing, but but I'll also get to it with the other um, one of the other rotten review or fresh reviews mm-hmm. because it it's a point with that. But yeah, like a lot of good stuff question mark came out this year but a lot it's also a lot of just like franchises and very kind of dated sort of outputs i would say the usa review goes on to say um it's for moviegoers who like pizza with extra cheese <laughs> I love and that's that. that should have been on the poster that should have been on the dvd that's the tagline like, for the movie that's just the yeah it's so perfect that should be like a whole category on netflix just like movies cheese for people who cheese. like their pizza with extra cheese. This is like Crank. It it's a movie that knows what it is. But does it though? I was thinking about Maybe. that because like our first our first episode for those of you who are just listening to this one covered Crank, and I feel like they these both have a sort of awareness to them, but Crank has much more of a almost like a parody level of self-awareness and it's just like i'm just gonna be absolutely ridiculous just to test the limits and just prove that those like that i can whereas this feels much more like in line with the general like genre conventions of the time but also just doing like really inexplicably weird shit yeah i feel like it it it's self-aware in the sense that it knows it's kind of an homage to those 80s Conan movies and stories. It's not self-aware to how bad it is. I would say that. I would think there's kind of a difference between those sort of things. Yeah, because they play it straight. Absolutely. It's not tongue-in-cheek at all. It's completely straight, which is just... It's it's fascinating to watch, and and it's very much a sign of the time sort of thing, where it's like all of these crazy-ass concepts are getting greenlit, and people are just like, yeah, sure, whatever. Like, I guess this is a thing that we're going to try to do now. And, like, there wasn't as much of, like, a self-awareness to everything ever around that period of time. Yeah, so it's hard to disagree with the negative review absolutely so he goes on to say that maybe matthias uh should ring up wesley snipes half a vampire blade and invite him to compare notes over dinner i love that i would watch that like me wholeheartedly, too. i would watch that i know there's was way too much like universe like licensing sort of stuff that would stand in the way but like okay so if this was going to be their attempt of like let's try to reboot the monster verse or whatever which is kind of like what we're having deal them deal with right now they could have totally had this like partner up with some other sort of franchise and have done some other property in that same sort of vein as like a blade movie. See, I think if this movie was made today, yeah, this they would have included the mummy, yeah, that would have been in the Brendan Fraser movies. It's like, oh, we got to connect it to yeah. what we've done before when this is solely independent despite being a prequel, yeah. 
Like, it's very much a standalone. You could totally just watch this movie and have no idea whatsoever that it's that it's even remotely tied to the Mummy movies. Yeah. Like, there's nothing that's really, like, tethering it to the Mummy other than the fact that The Rock is in it. Which is then interesting because then, like, you, you go to the, like, direct-to-video sequels and stuff and they lose The Rock, which is, like, the one thing that really kind of syncs the two things together. So it's like you're yeah, basically that was the just draw. kind of... Yeah, you're basically just kind of making the, the IP, just, like, using it as much as you can, even though there's, like, really no reason to keep making these movies. Which way, I think, because the blockbusters at the time were very heavily star-driven. Yes. Not like they are today. Okay, but you did just make me think of a thing that might have explained why those movies would have existed. So I'm going to look up a thing real quick because... <sighs> yeah, because as uh, the USA Review goes on to say, it says The Rock looks the part, uh, like Tonto on steroids. Yeah, they comment on using his stage name. Uh, it's tough to imagine anyone rushing to the box office for The Scorpion King starring Dwayne Johnson. Which is insane today, because everyone knows him as Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, he's kind of separated himself from that WWE. But I think a large part of that was thanks to um, Fast and the Furious, kind of like and and like the other things that he had started to be in, to where it's like, okay, I guess we can call him Dwayne Johnson now. Like, I I guess we just should probably do this. But yeah, um, because this is because he was still kind of half in acting, half in WWE. Yeah. At the time, and now he's solely in acting. I mean, come on, he was just in uh, Moana singing. Yes. You wouldn't expect that from the guy uh, back in 2002 in a Disney movie. Although, you can totally, like, having seen Moana, there's, like, a weird, like, through line between this movie and Moana. Because <laughs> it's, like, his, his character in Moana is, like, this demigod with, like, really long hair who just, like, fought everyone and then ran away and hid on an island. And I'm, like, that's uh. totally, like, an alternate <laughs> version of the Scorpion King. But, like, I would love to see, like, it would have been hilarious to, like, picture the plot of Moana acted out within the Scorpion King universe. Uh. So it's just, like, this tween girl shows up and is, like, hey, you, we need to go find whatever. And he's, like, no, I want to just lay down, leave me alone. <laughs> but um, but so I was looking while you were saying that, I was looking at the sequels for all of these, like the other Scorpion King movies in the franchise, I guess. Even though which were not, not really reviewed well. So there's Scorpion King Rise of the Warrior, which came out in 2008 and has no one that I honestly recognize at all. Like I'm just looking at it. The other the other ones do, which is why I'm pointing that out. Yeah, but Ron like, Perlman. Yeah. Okay. So one. so the third one has enough of a reason for me to actually want to try to watch it because is it that has, the one with Lou Ferrigno too? No, that's the fourth one. So the third uh. one has okay. The God, the IMDb cast listing for this is a mess because it's like really hard to find people. But it has um, Ron Perlman, Dave Bautista, and. What's his name? The guy that just got cast on Legends, like literally yesterday. Billy Zane. Yes. So it has the three of them in this movie. Jesus. Yeah. And yeah, that cast is something. It's some. It's certainly something. And it has. This is what's weird to me because, like, it seems like they tried to carry on the same sort of story with the Scorpion King and still have. Matthias or however the hell you say his name be the protagonist but then like Mm -hmm. the other people that they cast were all white guys and I'm like that you kind of dropped the ball on that yeah 
Yeah, I think that was more uh, WWE like, uh, you, you, having a say in casting. Yeah, like it's like they're trying to groom the next Dwayne oh the Rock Johnson. God, but like you could take honestly, like there's a lot that is wrong with the first Scorpion King movie, but it also is so diverse, like surprisingly diverse. Yeah, so that, you have yeah Dwayne Johnson, Kelly Hugh, and Michael Clark Duncan. And, like, a bunch of other supporting characters that are also not white. Which is, like, it's it's kind of, it was kind of impressive for the time, I would think, to have that many. Like, if you look at the poster, it's the three people that you just listed are, like, the three most prominent people. And then, like, the white guy villain at the bottom. And it's, yeah. like, for that, for 2002, that's kind of amazing. It really is. And it wasn't, yeah. And because I feel like Kelly Hugh could have had a much different career. She's good. She absolutely Because after this, a couple years later, she's in X2. Oh, yeah. That's definitely true. Yeah. So I don't know what happened. I don't know either. And, like, because then she went from that to Arrow, like, way down the line. She just has TV gigs now. Yeah, basically. But it's just kind of, it's fascinating to me because, like, she is good in this. Like, she was one of the, she was definitely very watchable. And, like, as soon as she showed up, I was like, okay, I'm, like, a little bit more invested in this movie now. Because, Mm -hmm. like, she just kind of was, I don't know, there was something about her that kind of, like, worked with The Rock's personality. (laughs) Even though all of these reviews basically say that The Rock has no personality in this movie. Like, yeah. He is, yeah, he is kind of bland but part of it is yeah i don't know part of that is also just like a sign of it i feel like it's just very indicative of that point in time because like how many other action franchises were also that kind of because like that same year looking back at the same thing we had like triple x and minority report and just like a couple of pretty big movies where the protagonist was just kind of the oh and the transporter starring jason statham (laughs) so it's very much the like just generic action hero sort of thing and not so much like a character driven movie if that makes sense yeah and this is and this movie is only 90 minutes long yeah it's not like your typical it's not like a minority report or mummy where it's like ah it's two hours of action and some character development it's just straight up action. Like yeah. honestly, while I was watching this movie, I, I turned it on and then I was like, "Did I miss about a half an hour before this?" It, or something. It feels like it's a sequel yeah. to Scorpion King. At one point, this I said, "Should be Scorpion King 2. Yeah. At one point, I said to you, "I was like, this is like a Game of Thrones type of show, but it's like the season finale, and I've somehow missed like the whole season of exposition and like character establishment and whatever." Because like all of these people were being introduced and talking to each other, and I'm like, I don't understand what the goal is here and what the actual <laughs> plot is supposed to be. It's just like, oh, he got kidnapped, and now this bad thing happened, I guess, and then that's what propels the whole movie. But there was no, like, the hero's journey sort of plot that you expected from this movie was just kind of presented in such a clunky way that yeah. it, like, really confused me. I was like, what am I even looking at right here? Because it, it keeps going from one crazy thing to the next. And a lot of crazy action sequences. Like, the first half hour of this movie, I would say, is about two-thirds action sequences. Like, yes. easily. Like, there's... It's it's crazy how 
much action there is, but it's also not crazy when you consider the fact that this is like a wrestling movie, essentially, like a WWE production. But it, it, it's like they've definitely cared way more about the action than they did any of the plot, really. As this uh, one fresh review from Real Film says, um, the first two Mummy movies were over the top, wall to wall special effects extravaganzas with little s, with little else. Um, basically go on and say the Scorpion King is more or less the same thing. Um, it's goofy, silly, and even a little campy, but most of all, it's just fun. I, yeah, the real film, the real film review is very interesting to me <laughs> because they like, it, it's just funny to me to see genuinely, um, positive reviews for this and like, but not really in the way of being kind of aware of how, I don't know, because like both of the reviews are kind of aware of how awful this movie is, but they're they're still really applauding it, mm -hmm. which is just insane to me. I don't know. They're they're applauding it as like checking all of the boxes that it should be checking. When I'm like, did it really? I don't know. Yeah, it's it's weird. Um, they have a weird. <laughs> so the 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 real film critique of Dwayne Johnson is interesting too. Uh, basically saying he can't act his way out of a paper bag. Uh, then he has that scene with a dozen beautiful women. His raised eyebrows says more than any dialogue could. Okay, but I did kind of like that. I thought I that like, like that moment in that movie feels very much like that felt one of the more self-aware sort of things and whatever. And also part of that is watching it with the modern day um, like context of like the rock being this huge kind of sex symbol. And, like, of course that would be oh, how he would deal with a situation like that. Like, it didn't seem it, – it, it seemed probably weird at the time, but, like, now watching that, I'm like, oh, of course that's his reaction in this cheesy-as-fuck movie. Yeah, because even later on in the in that same review, he says, but let's face it, everyone's going to see the Scorpion King – or everyone going to see the Scorpion King wants to see The Rock – which is funny because then that counteracts what the USA Today review said, or like kind of agrees with it, but it's just kind of funny of like how, oh, Dwayne Johnson isn't a big sell as a name, but The Rock totally is. But then like this one kind of agrees with it and says like, everyone's going to go see The Scorpion King to see The Rock. Exactly, Which, yeah. Because yeah. this is trying to get The Mummy fans and The Rock fans, because it doesn't say The Mummy, is semicolon, The Scorpion King. It just, it's... Almost its separate entirety entity. Yeah. <laughs> Words are hard. <laughs> Words are hard. It's hot here. I know. It's hot here too. Um, but yeah, going back to that that same review, one thing that didn't even really occur to me, it says the rest of the cast is mostly forgettable, especially the awkwardly placed comic relief sidekick. How out of place is he? The character doesn't even have a name. Which like that did not occur to me the me entire neither. time I was watching this. So thank you, reviewer, for pointing that out to me. Because that is kind of insane. That, like, you're... Yeah. I I would think you would at least give him some sort of name in, like, the IMDb credits or something. But no. But, just mm, no name. No. It's just so weird. And I, I was going to ask you, kind of tying into that, because I thought of another movie while I was sitting there watching this, that, like, the comic relief thing sort of reminded me of. Have you seen the Sylvester Stallone Judge Dredd movie? Oh, no. I No, I have not. Oh, boy. 
we <laughs> yeah okay so we are definitely going to watch that for this podcast because the only comparison that my brain made as soon as the comic relief like as soon as the rock and the comic relief guys started like acting alongside each other and everything was judge dread which pairs sylvester stallone with rob schneider oh okay then <laughs> That reaction made me so happy. That's not an SL. That's not an SNL skit. That's a movie. Not at all. That is a real thing. And yeah, because I watched that Judge Dredd movie for the How Did This Get Made podcast, and like the first, I would say it's been forever since I've seen it, but the first twenty minutes of the movie are like ninety percent Rob Schneider. Wow. And it's just it's. It would be like if you took. The, the most recent Judge Dredd movie, if you take Carl Urban and pair him with, like, Kevin James. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a weird choice. <laughs> or, like, Steve Buscemi or whatever. Oh, I feel like that would be a better... I would watch that movie. Anyway. I would watch that. But, like, it, it's so fascinating, but it's very much in the similar line of this, of, like, the kind of bumbling comic sidekick who just kind of stands in the way of everything, and it's just, like, the the big buff action hero just kind of stares at him and is like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, the 90% of the movie. And, like, the comic relief guy isn't really helpful in any way. He's no. just kind of, he's there, there to get the laughs that the movie wants to get from, like, 14-year-old boys. Pretty much, yeah. He's just, it's just checking off that box again. Yeah. It's like, we need that comic relief character to play off Dwayne. <laughs> but, like, the funny thing is, is that then we've gone from that kind of, like, super straight man relationship, like, straight man and then, like, bumbling comic relief. We've gone from that to being, like, Dwayne Johnson as, like, an actual comedic actor and, like, being in both. a ton of things and, like, being the straight man in comedies but still being genuinely funny. Like, we talked about that in our last episode with, like, Baywatch and, like, the movies he's done with Kevin Hart and whatever. Like, even if the matchup that he's with doesn't necessarily work, he still finds reason to, like, genuinely be funny. Yeah. Like, regardless on who he's paired with, him on his own will still be entertaining. Which is true, because, like, one of the first movies that I ever saw him in was, like, the the Tooth Fairy movie that Disney put out. Which is just, it's not really a buddy movie. It's just him and, like, the little girl that is, like, his daughter or whatever, I think, or something. There's, like, kids in that movie that he then has to deal with. But it's basically just kind of, like, him being the straight man and also the main source of comedy the whole time. And, like, at the time, as a 10-year-old, I thought it was really funny. (laughs) So it's, like, it kind of proved that, like, he doesn't need to be in that sort of buddy dynamic. He can just kind of do his own sort of thing. Right. Yeah, and this is a so yeah, because the Scorpion King was made at a time when we didn't know his uh, skills yet. No, and I don't think he did either. No, although there are a couple, like like we said, there are a couple moments in this movie that are like genuinely funny and like genuinely made me laugh. I don't know if it was necessarily intended, but it was like like we said with the thing when he like raises his eyebrow at all of the the women. And then, like, the one scene Well, that was his trademark thing in the WWE, too. Oh. So, we'll see. I know nothing about wrestling, so... That's one of the few things I know. Okay. Because this is all just kind of news to me. Because, like, yeah, you could... I I just know names of wrestlers now that exist because people freak out that there are Funko Pops made of them. That is, like, the only extent that I really understand (laughs) of wrestling. And then the opening sequence, too, that fight scene. Yeah. That one blonde guy. I'm pretty sure he's a wrestler, too. Okay. 
I totally, I would not be surprised if he was, which by yeah. the way, like it is kind of interesting from the first scene onward. Cause you're like, what you don't, you're not really sure what the movie is trying to get at and what tone it's trying to set or what time period it's trying to set itself in. Because like the very first lines that he has are like, oops. And like, yeah. Oh my bad. And it's like total, <laughs> like early two thousands colloquialisms where it's like, you could tell me that this movie was set in 2000 years beforehand or that it was set like concurrently to the mummy movies and i would well, believe you either way <laughs> let's not forget there's also a godsmack song <laughs> in this movie <laughs> and heavy metal from early 2000s so i think they the was that just in the credits of time though? don't give <laughs> was, was that just in the credits though or was it in like the I th- actual... it was just in the credits okay. but there's heavy metal uh heavy guitarist played throughout the whole movie which like it works to an extent like i wouldn't knock that i feel like that kind of that's what you would expect almost from from that time from that sort of period of time but at the same time it's like i i could not tell with like the costumes and everything and how people spoke to each other and i couldn't mm-hmm. tell if it was just like really lazy script writing or yes. just like this general sense of ambiguity but i could not tell for the life of me what time period this was even supposed to be in and like there's no it's like nebulous. There's, well cuz there's no title card at the beginning that like no. says this is in this set time period it's just kind of starts just it goes from 0 to 100 really quickly and then all of a and sudden what, you're like yeah, oh that's wait that's what, what the the uh, the real film review says it kind of just throws you right in yeah and then it another thing that review touches on is Chuck Russell uh, the director who uh, is best known for The Blob and The Mask. Oh, The Mask. Uh, I, so, I was, like, traumatized by that movie when I was a little kid. It's such a weird movie. It's so creepy. And then, like, Son of the Mask and stuff. That's, like, no one asked for this. Why did we as a culture decide that this was okay? Like, it's so weird. <laughs> Very weird. So it goes on to talk about Chuck, uh, this review. It says he does an admirable job. The climactic <laughs> battle resembles something out of star wars okay so with that was these my separate note. fights occurring at the same time okay Russell so keeps yeah. the pace brisk through some unnecessary subplots added to beef up the runtime okay so that was my note with that because when i looked up the 2002 movies one thing that i did not mention but i feel like mentioning now because it ties into that review was that the same year that this came out was the same year as attack of the clones so it's just kind of hilarious yeah. to me that there's the comparison to Star Wars, but I'm like, you're totally comparing it to the prequel Star Wars because yes. that was what that was what every like everyone was kind of not into, but like dealing with at the time. And so, like, oh, of course, there's going to be three battles going on at the same time because in Star Wars, there's like that giant ass like everyone just standing on a green screen firing at shit kind of battle so it's like which is weird because a lot of this movie was filmed on location and didn't do a prequel thing of filming in a studio yes although i will say because that's another quote from this review that i wrote down it says while both mommy films were filmed abroad in exotic locations like morocco and egypt the scorpion king was shot entirely in arizona which Which is is why it only cost 60 million (laughs) i know (laughs) and it's funny because it's like and I just love that particular point of like, oh, by the way, this like this stand-in for Egypt and whatever sort of period this is supposed to be in is just like Arizona. Just in Arizona. The early two thousands, which like happens a lot, but it is also kind of funny to hear 
how that stuff actually comes about. Yeah, it's so interesting that the development of this movie, uh, and I don't know what this director has gone on to do. I'm going to look it up. Um, coming off of those two, I mean, he does a fine job with what he has. He made money, so I, in that regard, it's a success. Okay. Content-wise. So he, he directed this. He did not direct again until a 2010 episode of Fringe. Wow. Yeah. And it was, yeah, season three episode of Fringe. And then he directed one movie, oh God, a really bad looking John Travolta movie from last year called I Am Wrath. That the poster just... <laughs> is just like, the poster is just the worst looking thing I've ever seen. God. And then he has, let me see something. And then he has some sort of Hunchback of Notre Dame reboot in development which oh, is God, kind no. of terrifying and then some adaptation of a book called the seven sins sure buddy yeah but he also okay so he did start out doing nightmare on elm street three so like huh. yeah which i haven't seen but i can get the sort of understanding of why he would then go on to be in, like, to, I mean, why he would be, like, an asset at that time of, like, oh, well, you directed this mm-hmm. franchise movie, and then you directed The Mask, and so why don't we give you this thing, or whatever. But and then it killed his career. Absolutely. God. Like, he, I'm looking right now, he literally did not do anything for eight years. Which is crazy to me. Yeah, he just disappeared. I don't know what he was doing. It's so weird. <laughs> But so then, yeah. And then, so uh, so then, finishing off the real film review before we get into our other one. So it says, it ends with, while hardcore fans of the first two Mummy films will likely be disappointed in the lack of big special effects, The Scorpion King is nevertheless entertaining enough to warrant a cheap matinee. Which, like, it's hilarious to me that that specifically highlights the special effects from the the Mummy Returns, when, as we've previously discussed, it is upsetting. Like, I, I went and found that video, and I watched it, and that was, like, my first time really seeing that scene, and then I've read all of the comments underneath, and it's, like, comparing it to, like, a PS2 game, which is a very so accurate, accurate comparison. It's, like, he It looks, really is. And it's hilarious watching that scene, because you can tell that they purposefully overacted, like, Brendan Fraser and the other guy. Like, they deliberately were trying really hard because they did not know what the Scorpion King was actually going to look like. So, like, you can see it, like, cuts to a wide shot of Brendan Fraser trying to fight off the Scorpion King, and he's just, like, swinging his, like, weapons, but they're, like, ten feet away from him. So it's, like, you're not even really doing anything to, like, have any effect. You're just, you're expecting it to be this, like, really big, huge thing, but then it ends up being this, like, gross cgi shit fest yeah it's 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 very much of the time but then again there are some pretty decent effects at the times and i don't i don't know how that was passable it is worse than ps2 graphics it's just i have it like frozen (laughs) on like a window in my computer right now and it's just upsetting but also amazing because it's like this is totally just a pocket of film that I did not know existed until today, and I'm really. <laughs> it's glad. a whole untapped. Uh, you have all these movies I just know. ready to be watched. I know, but so then let's see. This, 
was so that this it last for, yeah was that it for real film yeah so i'm uh so the next review it's a <laughs> it's a fresh craze. one from cinema craze which i do not know this outlet but the way that this neither. review is written is almost like a amazon review that is an accurate description of this review uh <laughs> It's very blog-like, very kind. So, Stream so of the last two are kind of yeah. So the last two reviews made a point to say, even though the movie sucks, The Rock is still good. Go see it for him. <laughs> this one it goes in a different direction. Uh, it says, "Come for the cheese, stay for Kelly Hugh." Which is like, so the funny thing is, is that this review is technically listed as a fresh review. If you go on the Scorpion King's Rotten Tomatoes page, this is one of the like most prominent fresh reviews that you can see. But it is, it, it's the most scathing out of the three, I would say. Because it, I'm trying to think, I didn't really take notes for this one because I was just like, what the fuck am I reading? And then, but it's just like, let's see. So, so this one, like, this one was the one where I figured out that the scorpion, like the the scorpion head PS2 graphics, even mm-hmm. existed because the other two don't even mention that. Which I'm like, did you just not consider that to be an awful thing? Like, <laughs> or is it just some unspoken thing now? It's some unspoken thing I, to quote uh, Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> um, Oh, yeah, so, so so this so this review, what were you gonna say? I, think oh, I was just gonna go off thing. like the like the Kelly Hugh thing. Yeah, because this is the the reviewer that talks about her the most. Yeah, which is like as, deservedly so. Like I would recommend seeing parts of this movie just to see Kelly Hugh because it's like I enjoyed her in this and like she looked really nice and uh, which it was just kind of which the reviewer is kind of focusing on the looks. Uh, uh, not so it goes on to say that because all she does is spout corny dialogue and stand half naked. And not that I'm complaining, she's never fully naked though. No, she's naked enough to attract attention for the target audience. But her hair is always surprisingly down on her chest, covering her breast, even when she's sliding down a, wa- a waterfall. Which, like, okay, I absolutely, like, I, I said to you, as soon as it got to the part where she's, like, bathing, and, mm-hmm. and it just, it shows her bathing, and you can just see her hair just, like, taped to her boobs oh god i was like this has jumped the shark like somehow this movie that makes absolutely no sense and is just a bunch of like insane fighting jumped the shark in that moment for me and they had to do that to keep the pg-13 rating yeah which like i wonder i mean like obviously that was they were trying to capitalize on the mummy thing because i'm sure like the target audience of the first two mummy movies is essentially like teenage boys and like yeah. families and stuff. So like, but with that in mind, there is like a lot of nakedness in this movie. Like way There's more than I would expect. There's a scene in a harem. Exactly. There are multiple references to harems and all that stuff. Cause like the scene where the scene that we keep talking about where he like does the eyebrow raise is like all of the, the women are like, Ooh, well your muscles look tense. Why don't we help you out? Why don't all of us help you out? <laughs> and which is like, it's kind of hilarious because it's like I'm sure there are a million women that would be willing to do that with The Rock right now. But and then that's another thing that this review mentions again. Um, that that's just one of the many flaws. Let's pick one out of the hat. The acting is bad. We have The Rock who raises a brow and growls at every moment he gets. 
attempting to make the wretched dialogue believable, but fails miserably. He's likable, but barely even believable with his hilarious long hair. Which, yeah, that's why we said that this review kind of reads like a blog post, because a lot of what this review goes into is like the minutia of like, it, it, it nitpicks on things that aren't even yeah, worthy it, of he's nitpicking. splitting hairs. Even though we have a whole podcast that's just about nitpicking movies, like this is something else altogether. Because it's like, so... The first paragraph of this review says, the reason why people won't know the significance of this to the Mummy movies is that this basically has no connection to the movies whatsoever and tries really hard to be its own. The movie says, before the pyramids were even built, the Scorpion King reigned. Now here's where logic enters. There's a large, large plot hole in the movie's storyline that conflicts with the Mummy storyline. The movie is said to take place before the pyramids were built. This is when the Scorpion King was alive. The pyramids weren't built for another hundred years, so the Scorpion King at that time would have would had to have been very old or dead. In The Mummy Returns, he is clearly young and healthy and becomes the evil demon guy. And I'm like, do you not know how movie convention is supposed to work? It's like there there are certain characters in movies and like certain things where you're supposed to just be like, okay, so they're immortal. They're never, like, they don't yeah. age or they just look ageless. Like, why is that the thing that deserves eight sentences out of this review? Exactly, yeah. And I think that's kind of explained away in The Mummy Returns. I don't remember, but like, I don't really think you're supposed to watch this movie for the continuity or the logic. It's it, it's just like hilarious he's, he's just, to me. He, yeah, this reviewer is just splitting hairs. That's why, like I said, it reads like an Amazon review of like someone just not really like someone just picking things that bothered them as a person, and but not really understanding yeah. what it means in the overall like. Like he like I feel like this reviewer feels personally victimized because mm -hmm. he goes on to say the fighting is nothing new and failed to impress me at all yeah it's like wow he's taking this personal yeah it looks like the choreographed copied a lot of fight moves from old barbarian movies so there we go again with you know the 80s conan uh homages yeah because he goes on to critique the action as laughable the movie's mood is all wrong it should be dark grimy and gritty yet is so cheesy and lighthearted which it feels like the opposite today yeah which i honestly because that was what i was thinking of while we were watching this is like i don't this movie isn't good but at the same time i feel like this direction at least made a little bit more sense than what universal is currently trying to do with all of their monster stuff like the mummy movies with brendan fraser they they accumulated like a cult audience and they were successful and so it's kind of just interesting to me that instead of going in like the more fantasy kind of not necessarily a family movie because I can understand wanting to kind of make it a little bit something a little bit more different but the fact that the that their instinct was to go even darker is really weird to me it is yeah it's trying to because like the new mummy is we could talk about that endlessly, yes. but we'll get to that. Um, it, it has a purpose. It's trying to set up a universe where this was just a sequel, cashing in on The Rock. And it's like, hey, people like this stuff. Let's just make another. Uh -huh. They weren't planning to make this one. It just kind of happened. Yeah. And the tone is so interesting. Like, it is cheesy and lighthearted, but... It's enjoyable. And I don't think this, I don't know if this would work as grim and gritty. It definitely wouldn't. I can't, I mean, I don't know. It doesn't work with The Rock. 
watch, we're probably going to, we're going to say that. And then like two years down the line, they're going to make like a, a dark and gritty scorpion king. Like this guy bits, gets bit by a scorpion and then everything turns into this crazy sort of situation and whatever. Cause like, I don't know what the fuck universal is trying to do with their monster verse anymore. It's just so, they don't, we'll see. They don't this know. Also got, well, they see this got me thinking about black Adam. Yeah. Because it's it's kind of that same, it's not this it's same character, but it's you know deals with ancient history, fantasy. Uh, Black Adam's like this big, strong, godlike character, and then you got the Scorpion King. It's just I don't. Would you Would you recommend this? If you want, if if you have nothing to do on a Sunday afternoon, and and you have this readily available, it's on TV. Go ahead and watch it. If you can't find the remote, go ahead and watch it. <laughs> if you're stuck on the couch and it's on the TV, go ahead and watch it. If you just want to go through the whole filmography of Dwayne the Rock Johnson, go ahead and watch it. I would agree. I would say that, yeah. It's almost one of those things where it's like, if it was on a plane, I would watch it. But you know that movies like this aren't on planes anymore, since it's more like more recent things. <laughs> or it's just the weird menagerie of like NBC stuff. But like, it, it's just kind of, it is one of those movies where it's like, it is like a plane movie almost. Like It really is. And it, it's just interesting to see this, uh, this being like the genesis of his acting career. Yeah. Because you said to me at one point when we were watching it, you were like, this should have killed his acting career. And it's you kind of think. insane that it didn't. But I Which think the I, fact I guess that in it, a way it did, because yeah. you said he went back to wrestling after this for a bit. Yeah, I think the fact that it made its money back is like a reason why it didn't. But it definitely caused him to kind of like take a break from acting. Yeah, and I think the, it made so much money because uh, blockbusters at the time were so different. The, the market wasn't so huge. Yeah. And it wasn't, there wasn't the sense of like connected universes and franchises and all that sort of stuff to where I can understand why at the time it's like, ooh, this is tied into the mummy movie and there aren't really a lot of spinoffs to stuff. Like we're definitely, yeah. Yeah. And that goes back to like kind of what I was saying earlier where blockbusters then were more star driven than IP driven. Well, but I also will say a thing because you did mention that before and then it made me think of a thing. So when you say blockbuster, my mind goes to the video store, which then in a way <laughs> kind of explains why there are so many sequels of this movie that exist. Because yeah. if you, I mean, obviously, okay, so two of them were made, like one was made in 2012 and one was made in 2015, which is insane to me that they were that close. But like in a way... I could understand, at least for the first sequel, being like, oh, well, we went to Blockbuster and we wanted to rent a movie and they didn't have Scorpion King, but they did have Scorpion King 2. So maybe we should check that one out. So it's almost in the same sort of vein as of like the people that make Sharknado when they aren't making Sharknado, they basically make like these really bad, like borderline parody movies of movies that are popular. So that then like if you're a person going through like your pay-per-view or whatever and you see a movie that seems like it's the movie that you were looking for, even though the title's slightly different, then you'll just click on it. But then you'll be like, what the fuck am I watching? Why is like, it's like, it's like what you find when you're scrolling through Netflix and you've been scrolling for 20 minutes and it's like, fine, I'll settle on Scorpion King 16. (laughs) Oh God, Scorpion King 16, Scorpion King 16. He goes to the moon. 
Because why not? Because <laughs> why not? Yeah, that's about the point that this is at. But yeah, it's just this movie is just something else altogether. I'm, yeah, I'm just fascinated that it exists, but it's not something that I would recommend to people. Yeah, and I think it kind of. Because you have the mummy, then mummy returns to Scorpion King, and they all made money. They are all successful. Yeah. But then after that, that kind of franchise just died out. Yeah, I wonder. I don't know why. I'm like, did it die because of this movie? Because I could have seen it like the the fan following that the that the mummy franchise kind of has. I could have seen it being a thing where it kind of stuck around a lot more than it actually did. But it really could have. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't know. I don't know if it was because. Uh, the the market was changing for movies, or Brendan Fraser was losing star power. <laughs> Probably that. I, I just, just don't, don't know. know. Yeah. Well, and it is kind of weird going back to what we said about like the fact that the the current monster verse is so dark, whereas like this is much more campy and ridiculous. You can see, like, you would think to a certain extent after they did like Van Helsing and the Dracula Untold movie. And all of that sort of stuff, which were oh. then like borderline gothic levels of dark. It's crazy to me that then their response was like, we need to make it grittier and even more dark. Which I, I'm now. Rem- so there was a third mummy movie. There was? I forgot. Yeah. Because okay. I, I remember seeing it. It was came out in 2008. Oh, It was okay. Tomb of the Dragon Emperor oh, with yeah. Jet Li. Okay. I have definitely heard of that. So, but that's just, um, Yeah. I'm going to look it, it And it, that was successful too. Yeah. It made more than its money back. Okay. Oh yeah. With Brendan Fraser in that too. So yeah, at yeah. least they like gave them a trilogy and like let them kind of wrap it up and stuff. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, I'm surprised that then. then it scored the, a 13% on Rotten Tomatoes. That explains. Yeah. It was not died. good. Yeah. Also part of it is that like, yeah, by, by 2008, you're getting way more franchise movies and way more Cause, like because let's think about what came out that year: Dark Knight and Iron Man. Yeah, like comparing that to Dark Knight is like such a bad comparison. Yeah, like you can you can totally understand why then it would end up being something that would have tanked. But it's kind of sad though because it's like I I do like the direction that this whole franchise seemed to go in, even though it was so weird and dated and. So very weird. Yeah. Um, but so getting into kind of wrapping things up, I'm trying to think of how we should do our final segment because oh, like God. The Rock is already in a superhero property. So it's not like we can necessarily recast him. Like he he's basically the perfect Black Adam. He so, really is. Like it's not really something where I would try to change that. Um which I I be, because he's been unofficially cast as Black Adam for the longest time, even before Man of Steel, back when like the Nolan trilogy for Batman yeah. was out. Like he was always Black Adam, and I wonder if the Scorpion King had anything to do with that. I don't know because I think it's more like the Fast and the Furious movies and the other things that he did around that time that might have had an, an influence in that. It's definitely not this movie from 2002 really having an impact in like a casting decision that was made in like 2012. But 
Yeah. Are yeah, you Googling were, something? Were, yeah, because there was a Shazam, like a Captain Adam movie in development. Or not Captain, Captain Marvel. Yeah. Like Captain Adam's a whole different thing. So New Line began developing Shazam in the early 2000s oh. uh, with Peter Seagal. That's right. Oh, my and, God. And, and The Rock was attached then. Okay. And then New Line was absorbed by Warner Brothers. That makes sense. Um, and so following the success of Warner's Batman uh, Dark Knight uh, and the commercial failure of its lighter, family-friendly Speed Racer, oh, uh, Speed Racer. August departed the project. <laughs> so basically, the Dark Knight killed it. Yeah. That's fascinating to me. I would not have guessed that. But then it's interesting to me because then, like, even with that movie being in development for as long as it was, like, the fact that that casting of him still stayed is really interesting because it's not really something that happens. It's like no. if a movie is stuck in development hell for a really long time, you don't really get an actor that's willing to commit to that for, like, a decade. Like... You, that's how long it was in development for, which is insane. That's crazy to me. Yeah, you never get anything like that. It's usually like by that time the person's either like faded into obscurity or they're like not they wanting to on. do it or whatever. Yeah. Like that's that's just really interesting to me that he's been tied to it almost since this movie, <laughs> kind of in yeah, a way. So, so it really wasn't too long after the Scorpion King then. So I'm undoubtedly that had something to do with his casting as Black Adam. Wow. Imagine if it hadn't been in development hell and we had gotten that movie way sooner <laughs> with him that as would, Black Adam. That would have been something. It, it, uh, it would have been, it probably would have been on par with the Scorpion King. Yeah. I hate to say. Yeah. But not that that's a bad thing. It would have been cheesy, action, rompy fun. Yeah. I'm like, so did they did they cast Shazam for that movie or did they like it, it didn't say. Okay. It that's why I think Dwayne has just been attached to it for so long. Okay, well so then I guess the game that we can play with this would be then if you had to cast an actor from that period of time to play Shazam in oh, the like in the hypothetical movie, what would it like who would you pick? Man, the, the early two thousands was such a weird time. Exactly, which is why I think it would be kind of fun because, like, I mean, as as of this recording, they still haven't cast Shazam. Like, there's still a couple different yeah. people floating around. I still find it weird that Army Hammer is being floated around when he really yeah. needs to be, like, Hal Jordan instead. But, you know. Um, but so it's just kind of, I'm trying to think, like, just I'm trying to visualize what Shazam would have looked like if it came out in, like, 2005. Or whatever. Yeah, I wouldn't be because I googled like two thousands action stars. Yeah, and you get stuff like Dolph Lundgren or Brad Pitt. Yeah. Hmm. And that's a scary image. <laughs> I don't think anyone was right. No, I'm trying to look. Let's see. I I, I kind of want to look at a list. Um. Half of the people on here are like in the Dark Knight trilogy, so that yeah. doesn't work. Um, Vin Diesel. Oh, that would have been weird. I don't want that because then we wouldn't have gotten Groot, which would have been well. Because this is based off IMBD's top six best action stars of the two thousands. Okay. See, I was looking at um, 
35 best actors since 2000, which is probably the wrong uh-huh. list to be looking at. Um, let's see. Ooh, I have a weird. Okay, I just found a weird article that gives us a couple different ideas. My two suggestions, just based off of this article, are, and you're going to cringe at this, but the whole point is to make you cringe, um, Sean William Scott and Freddie Prince Jr. Well, it's been a nice episode. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying that's who I would have wanted. I'm just saying if this hypothetical movie had gotten made, I could see either of those people playing Shazam. Which is, and that's just a sign of the times back it's then. It's insane, but it's not, yeah. Like, I can totally see, God, that would have been such a weird movie with, like, yeah. Freddie Prince Jr. Yeah, on that note, um, where can people find you on social media? Uh, at the Chris Vito on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, you got it right. Other than I the did. last time when on it took, one take. like, four tries. <laughs> Great, now they know my failure. I kept it in because it was adorable and it was kind of hard to cut around. So I just kept all of the tries in because it was kind of hilarious. Yay! Yay! Makes us seem more real. Exactly. Yeah. But so then you can find me on Twitter at Hey, it's Jenna Lynn. Um, you can also find my articles from comicbook.com. Uh, if you go to our website and search for Hey, It's Jenalyn, you will find all of my articles. Or you can just check in my Twitter bio. Those articles are there, too. Um, and then you can find us on Twitter at Tomato Tomato Pod. Um, please follow us. We would greatly appreciate it. And then go subscribe on iTunes, yes. leave a review, all that good stuff. Yes. Leave. Do you want them to write a particular review the way that Paul F. Tompkins does it, where it's like, yes, go on to iTunes and leave a review about how, like, you you were stuck in a crawl space for ten years and then you <laughs> emerged out and the first thing you heard was this podcast. That would be great. Yeah. So write something along those lines it would make us happy, or just any review whatsoever. It would be great. Just you don't even have to review our podcast. Just make sure it's in the review section for our podcast. Yeah. Just review anything. Review like. Review this movie. Review the Doesn't have poster to be an even you movie. just bought off of Amazon. Like, just do whatever. Go ahead. Live your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> we are still shook by this movie, if you couldn't tell. Very. It's affecting us way more than we would have expected. But so, yeah. Um, do we know what we're going to do next week to offer people a tease? I don't know if we have anything planned. No, let's leave them hanging. Yeah, so tune in next week to figure out what our special episode will be. Ooh. And until next time, keep watching movies. Bye. Bye.